Today's podcast is brought to you by ACAM. Energy-saving initiatives are top of mind for many co-op and condo board today. Let ACAM's energy experts and state-of-the-art technology help your board achieve its sustainability goals. Visit ACAM.com today to learn more. Welcome to Problem Solved, a conversation about problems that have been solved at New York City co-op and condo buildings. I'm Paula Chin, and my guest today is Avi Zanjurian, partner at the accounting firm Zarnowski and Beer. Welcome, Avi. Thank you, Paula. Boards can't afford to be complacent when it comes to monitoring finances. You recently helped a co-op that failed to monitor theirs closely to pretty disastrous results. Can you tell us about it? Sure, Paula. We had a new client co-op that we took over in early 2021 to do 19 and 20 financial statements. Their prior accountant had retired after the 2018 audit, uh, had told them she was retiring and they failed to engage a new CPA. My understanding at the time was that the agent had been there for many years, the board had been there for many years, and the accountant had been there for many years. The first order of business was taking care of the annual tax deduction letter, which is given out for co-ops at the beginning of the year to deduct real estate taxes and mortgage interest on a per share basis. We started looking at that. We tried getting in touch with the agent. He wasn't answering phone calls. I was trying to get management reports. I was just trying to get some information. Wasn't able to get that, so I called the town, find out how much their real estate taxes were. When I picked up the phone to call, they're like, oh, we're so happy someone's reaching out to us. The building hasn't paid real estate taxes in a year and a half. And I'm like, oh, that's a problem. And that was just scratching the surface. The managing agent, because of COVID, was able to get away with certain things of not presenting monthly reports, et cetera. And no one knows if the board knew or the board didn't know. There wasn't oversight. You said that you were just scratching the surface when you found out about the real estate taxes not being paid. What other problems did you find? Traditionally on the tax deduction letter, you have the real estate taxes and also mortgage. So I asked the attorney who had helped the search to find us as the CPAs, hey, can you find out who the lender is so we could get the mortgage interest so we could put that on the letter? He finally got in touch with the bank. They had apparently not provided information to the bank that was required as per the loans, financial statements, insurance documents, whatever that might have been. And the loan, they defaulted on the interest rate. They were getting an interest rate of 3.875 and it was bumped up to about 8.875. And because no one was really paying attention to what was going on, that 5% increase was getting auto debited from their operating account every month for almost a year and a half from January of 2020 until April 21, when we started working with them and actually even further. And that was why they had no money to pay real estate taxes because the account was being completely bled out by paying this higher interest rate than they had budgeted for. So between real estate taxes and the mortgage, which is usually the two biggest items on a co-op, those are the two biggest issues we found off the top. We also found when we finally got engaged to do more work, called the town for water bills, they hadn't paid the water. In, I think, also over a year, the employees of the building were being paid and some of the vendors were being paid as well. But again, things just weren't being managed appropriately and no one picked up on it. What happened next? I would presume the board was ousted or there was new management. The managing agent at the time was let go. The board actually took over to manage for two months while they were searching for a new managing agent. 
They've managed themselves, collected maintenance, paid bills, paid the employees. And then uh, two months later, they hired a, a new management company. And then that new management company was trying to also piece together also the information. We had found out about this stuff, but they have to manage the property. They had nothing. Usually there's a transition between managing agents, between the old and the new and the transfer of documents. They were going on a wild goose chase trying to find things. Finally, a couple of months later, they held an annual meeting with the shareholders where they publicly explained what had happened. Obviously, as you might assume, it did not go over so well. And um, they were able to elect a new board and the new board is working to fixing, correcting the ship. It's still not fully there. The interest rate has been reset back to the original rate. Real estate taxes have been paid, but all of their reserves were depleted because they had to pay all that back real estate taxes. And they have payment plans with water and sewer, with the union, uh, and is working with them to get them back to float. And I presume there will be or has been a maintenance increase and an assessment? Sure. The first order of business was to get financials done. So we were able to do a review engagement for 2019 and 2020. The saddest part about all this, uh, Paula, was sitting at the meeting and there's people literally handcuffed. They wanted to sell their apartments and they couldn't because any sale requires financial statements or, or a tax return. And the banks were saying the last financial statement is 18. We need something in order to close these deals. My heart was going out to just these owners. Some were telling me that they had already bought their new apartments. They're paying two mortgages. Obviously not a great situation. But once we got the financial statements together, they were able to, with the new managing agent and the new board, able to put together a new budget. And obviously the building was running at a deficit before this anyway. So they had to do a big increase, about 10%, and an assessment to pay off all the old bills. That was about, I don't know, between two and a quarter million to 350 of an assessment just to catch things up. So they're on their way back. Where do things stand now in terms of their finances? The biggest thing they needed to do was the increase that kind of stabilized their budget because they were able to get the mortgage interest rate back to the original term. I think that it gives them a little breathing room so they're not paying this exorbitant monthly interest. And they had some other issues that came up, some insurance claims, et cetera. But they're doing okay. They have some cash. Obviously, they don't have the amount of reserves they had before. Separately, they're trying to recover from the old agent some of that money. But the board that's currently in place is making sure that this doesn't happen again. And shareholders who are looking to sell, is their situation better? Yes, yes. Thank God we got the financial statements. They were able to refinance their mortgages, sell whatever they need to do. The bank's took it and the business moved on. So their, their tax filings are current. Their financial statements are current. We're currently working on their 21 financial statements. And uh, we're hoping that by next year's, by the 22 audit, we'll be able to audit them and there'll be some consistency with the board and with the new managing agent. It's looking promising. So if they stay the course, they'll do well. Avi, what's the takeaway here? What do boards need to know? Obviously, no board wants to find themselves in this kind of situation. Sure. The real takeaway here is that obviously it's a volunteer position, but there is a fiduciary responsibility when you're on a board that you are uh, overseeing and managing what's going on if you have an independent management company. Obviously, we work with a lot of managing agents. There are a lot of managing agents that are fully staffed, they have different departments and sufficient internal control. Is that the thing that we look for when we're doing our audits? Our audit standards require that each property has its own internal control structure. That means simply that the person who's cutting checks and signing checks and depositing checks and approving bills, et cetera, are not the same person. There's a segregation of duties there. And many agents in New York City and around the country are structured that way. They have an accounts receivable department, accounts payable department. There is a separate department that looks at the bank reconciliations. The managers approve the bills, 
whether they're using an outside service like RapidPay to approve invoices, all that allows there to be sufficient controls and to make sure that there's no fraud. The issue is when you have smaller agents, there's one or two people in the office. When that happens, it's really important that that the boards are involved, making sure that they're getting the monthly reports every month. I think that should have been the red flag here. And if you're not getting these reports, then raise your hand as a board member and say, hey, what's going on? Or go knock on their, come go to their office, making sure that the board is really taking the initiative to monitor. That's the key word is monitor what's going on. When you don't do that, and let things just go and trust the agents, which I'm not saying we shouldn't trust the agents, but just to not ask questions and not look at the reports. Here's obviously a very scary example of what can happen. So I guess the bottom line is that boards absolutely have to be proactive. Avi, this has been really great, really interesting. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.